Hey everybody, welcome to Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. Yo. <laughs> Hello. Hello, lady. I wanted to talk a little bit. I wanted to share with you. I think you know all of these, but let's check it out. I was looking at an article from Esquire talking about the best summer horror movies to mm-hmm. watch. Jaws, of course, is more of an obvious choice. Sure. But I want to just list these off and see what you think. So there's this new movie out called The Blackening, which looks really funny. I haven't seen it. It's from the director of Tim Story, who created the Barbershop and the Ride Along movies. It's a summer horror film. I think it might still be, well, no, by the time this airs, it's not in episodes anymore, but it's a group of friends who meet up at a cabin to celebrate Juneteenth but quickly discover that they're being hunted by a mysterious killer who is turning racist horror movie tropes on the protagonists. Okay. And then there's the comedy ensues. I, you know, though some of the reviews I saw talk about like it being laugh out loud, but it mm. is cl- a classic slasher. So you might be interested. Cool. In yeah. I like that. They're talking about X being a good movie to watch in the summer. Cause it's obviously summer. Mm-hmm. It was a summer movie. Yeah. It chapter one. Nice. Torso from 1973. I'm trying to think if I saw Italian that. Italian Giallo. Yeah, I'm wondering if I saw it. Giallo. It's considered the first slasher film ever made. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it was a it was a double feature with Texas Chainsaw Massacre back in the day. It was like a drive-in double feature. Jesus. Can you imagine? Oh, no. <laughs> All right. And then. Have to have a lot of alcohol. <laughs> right. Or a little floaty in a pool yeah. or something to calm us midsomar mm-hmm. these are all very movie. uplifting films yeah these are no, here's here's something a little lighter i know what you did last summer you know just teenage manipulation yeah that whole series with jennifer love who he, who, who it, it? jennifer, jennifer who love it? who it from the 90s <laughs> <laughs> and sarah michelle geller those are fun movies I mean, mostly because they're dated and silly, but they are on Netflix from what I remember. So yeah, Jaws, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is obviously a summer, a summer mm-hmm. romance. It's, it is a summer romance. I know. He uh, wanted it to be anyway. <laughs> exactly. And we are, we are speaking from his point of view. Uh, the Meg, and then of course this year, The Meg 2. Those would be good. Those are summer. And you know, love me some Jason Statham. Oh, yeah. Love that man. The Burning from 1981. Always. Yeah. The the epitome of summer camp slasher well before Friday the 13th. Yeah. Do you have anything that you would add to that list? Did anything come to mind? Mm. I think any of the, I mean, Bible camp, summer, whatever that movie is. Bloody Bible camp. (laughs) Bloody Bible camp. Any camp movies. Yeah, any camp movies. The first, the first Michael movie. I, I was the other day. I was like, I should go back. And I know we watched them for a episode last year at some point, but I kind of want to go back and watch those Friday the Thirteenths again. I know those are I fun. Th- I think they are. I think they are. I or think the that's first, a good list. I think it is a good tourist list. Tourist trap might be another one. Tourist trap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to. It's tough because like there are a lot of really good seventies and eighties ones. There's a lot. There's a ton of them. Anything in a cabin. In the oh, summer. Cabin fever? Yeah. But that wasn't oh summer, my gosh. though. No, That true. was like fall, I think. But some of the cabin ones. Yeah. Uh, cabin in the woods? <laughs> there you go. There you go. I don't know about you, Shannon, mm. but I'm very excited that Guillermo del Toro is starting to make his own franchise of monster movies, starting with 
Frankenstein. I know. I'm pretty excited. I am very, very, very excited to see what his head is going to do because <laughs> he's such, his imagination is so, he's so brilliant. And I think this is a movie that's hard to do. It's hard for people to get this right. You and I have had this conversation. The, the, the OG novel is one of Shannon's very, you know, favorite. And so we've watched a lot of like the different movies that have been made about Mary Shelley, about Frankenstein. And I'm just real curious I am too. what he's going to do with this. And I'm super excited because you know that the monster is going to be pretty incredible. And there's going to be probably... I would imagine there'll be a lot of um, empathy around the creature and which is more in line with the book. That's right. And, and that would be really great. I'm cautiously optimistic. Yep. I am never optimistic necessarily with uh, Frankenstein stories, <laughs> but I mean, what he did with Pinocchio gives me faith. Yeah. And there are also some pretty good Frankenstein recreations basically, or the theme that is in Frankenstein is being used in an exceptional way, like the the angry black girl and her monster that was I that I reviewed recently. That was an example of that, where you know that's a Frankenstein movie, and I thought that one was done really well. Yeah, Andrew Garfield and Mia Goth are going to be in Frankenstein, and I am really hoping that we see a different side of Mia Goth. That she's not a psychopath in this. Yes, because I I think she's a great actor. I just want to see her out of that trope we shall see yeah <laughs> i mean we 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 do like to talk about the female psychopath around here we've done we do. many many episodes on it so you know we'll just see uh now we're gonna do a little thing we like to call um what <laughs> okay mm. shannon she's already yelling Number one, this syndrome is in which one hand is not under control of the mind. The person loses control of the hand and acts <laughs> as if it has a mind of its own. Oh, <laughs> I feel like there's been episodes of television about that. Yes. Or it, you know, in the. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Number two, what is the most common treatment? For broken bones, well, I'm sorry, what was the most common treatment for broken bones during the American Civil War? Mm. Mm -hmm. Number three, haunted houses that are corporate collectively make this much a year nationwide. Oh, wow. Na Amer obviously American. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Number four, and you get choices. I can't wait. What was the original title for Ghostbusters? Was it Ghost Smashers? <laughs> ghost Crushers? <laughs> or Ghost Extinguishers? Nipple. Mm -hmm. Correct. <laughs> and number five. What 2007 horror film describes a teenager, a stranger to her own body, a high school student discovers she has a physical advantage when she becomes the object of male violence. Okay. Thank you for that. Let's Whatever. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'll get one or two, right? 
You never know. We'll find out the answers to the horror facts with Kath at the end of the show. If you're lucky. (laughs) I'll beg for them. I believe you saw a movie. I saw a few. That I had seen and reviewed, and now you've finally seen it. You want to start with that one? Yeah. So I finally got around to seeing Knock at the Cabin. Oh, interesting. What did you think? So uh, just real briefly, if people don't know what it is, it is M. Night Shyamalan's newest film knock at the cabin is a 2023 american apocalyptic psychological horror film seven-year-old Wen is vacationing with her adoptive fathers eric and andrew at a remote cabin in rural pennsylvania while catching grasshoppers Wen is approached by a stranger named leonard initially friendly he explains that he needs Wen and her parents to help save the world however Wen becomes suspicious when three other people appear with makeshift weapons. Wen flees to warn Eric and Andrew, but the visitors break into the cabin and tie them up, with Eric sustaining a concussion attempting to fight them. I, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this is because I think you and I have similar feelings about this director where some of his stuff is really good and some of it, some people like love him or hate him. And I don't, I don't, I like I, some of his stuff I really like. Yeah. Um, I was really surprised how much I liked this movie. I'm glad. And I feel like, uh, it would not have worked as effectively if it was a straight couple. I think that the, the, all of the choices that he made to make this movie give you all the feels. Yes were really great i think that the acting oh my god yeah the acting was great can we talk about rupert grint yeah i know he was unrecognizable he was so in this good movie. he's such a good actor remember we saw him in the guillermo del toro yes. series too cabinet of curiosities yes. it was like wow he was still a little harry potter-ish there yeah. But this was a whole other, <laughs> sure this was a whole other role for him yeah and if he Agreed. can do that he I'm can. hoping to see him in some other stuff. Dave Bautista is always really great. I thoroughly enjoyed this film. If people are on the fence because of M. Night, give it a shot. Or because of the book. A lot of people had things because they read the book. And so then they had feelings mm. about that. And and I understand that. So that's all valid. I know, but folks, it's not ever going to be as good as the book. It's all, it's all valid. Well, and I don't even know. I think some people liked it more than the book. Oh, some okay. people liked it less than the book because the book was actually... The movie they gave an ending to, and you have to with movies usually. I mean, not always, but usually that's more satisfying. And the book did not give us the answer, the ending that you get the answer. They didn't get that in the book. And some people liked that more. Got it. So, but anyway, I'm glad you liked it. I liked it too. I thought the acting was great. Yeah, it was a fun one. This is not a horror movie. Well, it could be, but it's not. Uh, It's more of a history drama. But I went and saw Oppenheimer in the theater. Oh, please tell me how you felt about it without giving anything away. (laughs) Because I'm going to see that. That's my directive. Well, it's a three-hour movie. Mm -hmm. Was it worth the three hours? I thought so. Yeah, I I mean, a historical drama usually is. The performances are excellent as you might imagine cillian murphy robert downey jr i mean gary oldman has a cameo the guy that plays albert einstein is great which i can't remember his name right now matt damon has a surprisingly light like he's the humor in this actually there's a little bit of i really liked his character and then there's a ton of other. I mean, Emily Blunt plays mm-hmm. Oppenheimer's That's a wife. Huge ensemble cast. And there's a ton of other people where you'll go, oh, it's that guy. 
Oh, that guy. Yeah, oh, a lot that of character guy. actors. Lots and yeah. lots of characters, ac- actors from That's TV, cool. etc. So there's no question about the acting. There's no question about the massive visuals as well. Yeah. I mean, you're tracking the creation of the bomb. So you get that part, but there's also a lot of other kinds of visuals that are very Nolan-esque in, in tracking Oppenheimer's way of thinking. I'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. There's several sections where there is very creative visuals. So you'll like that part. Cool. It is an epic story as everyone will know. And so you do cover an arc of, I don't know what it is, like 10 years. It's not like actually very long, but it's such a big story that it's the before, during, and aftermath of the bomb. Okay. So the bomb part's the middle part, but there's a whole nother hour after that. You know, like there's a, it's a lot of story. That's like the climax. Yeah, correct. (laughs) And there's a lot of relational dynamics. There's just a lot of really interesting history. There's a lot of science thought thought going on in there. I thought it was interesting. I liked it. What I would recommend for people, if you still haven't seen it, I know it's been a minute since it's been out. I'm not sure if it's still in theaters at this point, but the IMAX thing, like I went and saw it at IMAX. It blew out my eardrums. Like I found it really uncomfortable. Like too much. It was too much. I, it was too, the sound would go over like people's voices and stuff. Like Mm. I just didn't like at this point, watch it at home. You know what I'm saying? But if you're in a regular theater, I'm sure it's great. It's just that the IMAX for me was far too overwhelming and it, and it drowned out some of the, like everybody has an accent in this movie. Mm -hmm. So it drowned out some of understanding people and all of that. So, that would just be my one my one recommendation for folks but yeah great great historic if you like historical dramas and you don't know much about the Oppenheimer story and the politics and all of that you might find it interesting because I did yeah I'm I am interested in seeing it for all, all those reasons yeah yeah that when the sound gets overwhelming like that on some of those movies it gets very distracting it was it was yeah. it really was but I'm sure one day if I rewatch it like on the little television I'm sure it'll be just fine. The little 70 inch. You get to turn the around. 82 to the, inch <laughs> screen I have. Yeah. You got to turn around to the people up in the thing and be like, turn it down. <laughs> I watched, uh, we'll start with this one. I'll save the really just horrific, depressing, disturbing one. Last. Oh, people can stick around for that. Yeah. That sounds great. I w- watched a movie called The Devil's Whisper. It's a possession horror. A teenage boy aspires to be a priest but he's tormented by a demon bent on possessing him. Will his faith be enough to save his soul? You know, there's so many possession horror films out there. Some, this one's from 2019. I actually thought it was pretty good. I thought the, the lead, the boy who played the lead was very believable. Also the actor who played the priest in these movies, a lot of times the priests are the ones who end up being questionable. They're kind of weird. This guy's really progressive and so you feel you're you're rooting for him and he's very likable and from the very beginning the the child or not child the teenager he's like obsessed with becoming a catholic priest and even the priest is like man go out and like live your life get some experience date a girl make sure this life is for you but their relationship uh how that builds i think is the strongest point as far as like the character development and 
the home is possessed that they're in and I mean, it's a possession horror. There's not, it's not deeply profound and one thing happens to the other and then the, the, the little sister gets possessed, but it's more so the story, the character development around it. And it has some really good scares in it, but I thought for it being a possession horror, which to me, sometimes I'm really bored by, unless it's like the exorcist or one of those really mainstream ones. I thought it was a worth a watch. Oh, good. It was pretty oh, good. good. It's only an hour and 25 minutes long. Yeah. Right. Um, it's but in I, the zone. <laughs> but I like it. Um, and it also, I think what I liked about it too, is it shows what can happen when people become overly obsessed with their faith. And and that's what I think I liked about it is the priest who is in the church is like, slow down. You're tapping into like, this is not, okay. this is not what it means. And I thought that was kind of a cool spin. Cause usually the priest is this true. trope. They where make he's it a like, trope where yeah. he's going along with it and then he's scared and he's an exorcist and all that. And yeah. honestly, you know, that can be done very well, of course. Right. But uh, I mean, that's not actually how a priest would act, mm-hmm. but, but sure. Yeah. He'd probably be like, we actually don't do those anymore and they don't work. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> something like that. So anyway, um, if you like this kind of stuff, it, it's it's a short watch and I thought it was pretty entertaining. Yeah, solid. I watched a movie called The Deep Web Murder Show. Hmm. 2023 Tubi, original, I believe. A podcaster's search for clues into his sister's death lands him on the deep web where he uncovers The Murder Show, a site where the highest crypto bidder selects how the victim will be killed. If you're watching them, they are watching you. That's basically what it is, is it's one of those murder show ones, internet murder show ones where you see the counter ticking off and you see the money coming in and then they're murdering people live. Oh, that's kind of cool. Did you like it? So this was pretty good. Very indie. It's this guy, Dan Zachary, who happens to have died in December 2022, but he's the writer director of this and it is an indie and it is a straight to Tubi. And so I was not expecting much. It's a horror thriller. But I saw when I was looking at stuff, and of course, because it was a podcaster thing, I thought, well, got to let me get into the podcaster horror genre because being Mm -hmm. a podcaster, I was like, maybe I should watch some of these. And then I was looking on IMDb and I was reading about it and I saw that the the creator was deceased. He died, like I said, in December, 2022, very sudden illness, only 51 years old. He'd only made like one or two other films. And I was just like, wow, I got to check this out. And I had seen on IMDb that it had a 5.7 out of 10 rating, which as you know, for indies, especially two B movies, that's pretty good. It is, you know, I I saw another one and it was like 3.2 or something. You know, a lot of the shark horror stuff that we talked about a week ago or so is lower than that. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm going to check it out. And, you know, I was pleasantly surprised. What is it called again? The Deep Web colon murder show. And it's on Tubi, like I said, but. It, it was surprising. It was much better than I thought it was going to be. The, the acting is, is not not so great. I mean, the main guy it takes a, a minute to just just sort of, you know, accept him for who he is. <laughs> All right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not the best you've seen, but it also kind of gets better as you go. And there's a couple of women in there that are much better than he is. And the main guy is a podcaster. You know, it's kind of indie cheesy acting kind of. But the actual 
filmmaking, the actual craft of the story and everything and the way it kind of opens up. It's like it's not anything you necessarily haven't seen before, but it was a solid watch. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It sounds different. Yeah. I watched a Spanish film from this year, 2023 psychological thriller called Teen and Tina. I did too. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I will switch that to this episode for your for your pleasure and talk oh, about that one with God. you. God, okay. <laughs> this film is like Village of the Damned meets The Bad Seed meets the furthest thing from the feel-good movie of the year. I was going to say, those are two good movies. <laughs> I don't think this one's this a good This movie, movie was so... But I'm saying, like, the children... I, I wanted to kill these kids. I know. There was nothing redeeming. There was nothing redeeming about the parents either. No, everyone is awful. Everyone is awful except the dog. And I'm going to say right now, don't watch it because the dog dies. Yep, that's right. And we always warn, you guys know we always say whether the animal dies or not. So that's, And these little shits did it. That's the only spoiler. So in the early 1980s in Spain, Lola, a pregnant woman, marries Adolfo, the man who presumably got her pregnant. During their wedding, Lola suffers a miscarriage. Does it say presumably? It's, it says presumingly. <laughs> Okay. Lola suffers a miscarriage and is told she cannot have children again. Well, and I, I'm going to explain that in a minute. <laughs> okay. Plunging her into depression, Adolfo talks uh, Lola into adopting children from the convent because we haven't seen that play out in horror films before. Uh, the convent orphanage nearby and the two end up adopting Tina and Tina albino twins with a gift for music and particularly strong beliefs that somewhat unnerve Lola and, and older than the couple originally planned. I'm being creepy ass. Everything's like, because we love Jesus, so we're going to stab the dog. Okay, so I think it says presumingly because there is a part of him that he, it's almost like he, he begins, it, and I love in these movies too, the, the husband always plays the one who the children end up being fine with, right? And sometimes, and, yeah. In a lot of these films, the father's just like, what's your problem? They need mother's love. You know, it's like very traditional. And the he mom's was like the dumbest person I've ever he seen. He was in the my biggest life. piece of shit. He was so dumb. Yeah, he was dumb. Like, yes, piece of shit, but just dumb. Yeah. Like, like really dumb. Our kids just murdered the dog. Well, it was an accident. Awful. Yeah. Awful character. Um, like written really poorly. This whole movie was disturbing for a number of reasons. It was so depressing. I just needed it to be over and everybody sucked. It was long and everyone was awful and half of them were really stupid. The other half were tropes. It was long. It was boring. There's an animal death. No, thank you. The religious, the trope of like religious literalism, because that's what oh, they were that's doing. That's exactly what it was. That, that trope has to be done very adeptly. Yes, and it was not. And it needs to be like, it's almost always one female adult character who lives in the woods or something, who comes out of the doomed, you know, who comes out of the woodwork saying, you're all going to hell and you're, do it's just that, that, that person is the, is the religious literalism. <laughs> Yes. Uh, having two little kids from an orphanage know this much about the Bible and taking it literally. And like, I, I just, I like, <sighs> I was annoyed. 
Yeah, they were. It was bad. I wanted to stab everyone in the film. That's how much I hated everyone in the film. Yeah, it was not a pleasant experience. Don't watch it. Well, yeah, and it wasn't a pleasant experience like a horror film no, where you want to where you want to really murder them all because depressing. they're all so stupid. It wasn't that kind of like fun murder show experience. Mm-mm. It was more y'all are idiots. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. Plot holes the size of Texas. All right. There's that. <laughs> How do we feel about that one? All right, let's do some. An- Thank you. We're ending. Ugh. We're ending angry. Ugh. Let's do some answers to the. It's uh... an appropriate song for you to get your murderous feelings out. Okay. This syndrome is in which one hand is not under control of the mind. The person loses control of the hand and acts as if it has a mind of its own. Spooky handness. Alien hand syndrome. I was really close. Do you remember that movie <laughs> Idle Hands in the 90s? I do. Yeah. I was thinking about the hand with... Uh, it. Th- it, yeah. No, was, no cousin it the was hand. the hairy one. The hand is what they called it. Number two, what was the most common treatment for broken bones during the American Civil War? I mean, my guess would be amputation. That's correct. Okay. Don't break your arm. <laughs> I won't. Thank you. Number three, haunted houses that are corporate collectively make this much a year nationwide. $3 million. $300 million. <laughs> No wonder everybody's getting in that game, right? huh? Number four, what was the original title for the Ghostbusters? Was it Ghost Smashers, Ghost Crushers, or Ghost Extinguishers? Also, it was the hand from the Munsters is what we're talking about, right? Adam's Family. Adam's Family. Thank you. I just really needed to say that or remember it. Uh, uh, Ghost Smashers. Correct. Oh, what? Yeah, Extinguishers. I don't think anyone thinks that's got a ring. Ghost crushers. Crushers. I mean, that could have been an option, I suppose. What 2007 horror film describes a teenager stranger to her own body? A high school student discovers she has a physical advantage when she becomes the object of male violence. This is the one I actually think thought I knew from the beginning. Uh, Because it's a movie that I really like, but I don't remember the year it was made. Mm -hmm. Uh, Teeth. Yes. Okay, cool. It's a really good movie if you guys haven't seen it. It's body horror, so it might not be for everybody. Very clever. It's a clever and also horrifying situation. Thanks so much for showing up today, Kathy. You're so very welcome. Doing the show with me and talking horror. I appreciate you. You're so very welcome. And thank you so much to all of you for listening. We really very much appreciate it. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone.